Tathasa Bhagavato Alahato Sama Sambudhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Alahato Sama Sambudhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Alahato Sama Sambudhasa Buddhang Tamang Sankang Namasami This evening I wanted to uh, continue on the subject which I talked about last week is the cultivation of the mind in meditation. Uh, however, this week I wanted to dwell more upon some of the obstacles and uh, the ways of overcoming those obstacles. Last week I just uh, talked about a very straight path. Uh, this time I want to talk about the the hindrances or the obstacles which occur on that path and uh, talking about it uh, from an experiential point of view rather than theoretical point of view. Uh, in particular that one can say, and it's a, a very powerful statement when it's contemplated uh, deeply, that the, the reason why that we uh, cannot or do not uh, allow the mind to enter the fullness of samadhi uh, is because of a level of uh, awija, of uh, delusion or illusion uh, in the mind. Uh, uh, not uh, ignorance because we all have heard and read, we all know what to do, but there is uh, a sense of uh, delusion going on in our mind as we meditate which uh, stops us following the instructions, stops us walking along that straight path. We tend to linger, waste time, come up against obstacles and go on side streets rather than going on the straight path. And uh, once a person realizes that uh, the major obstacle is this illusion or delusion, uh, it means that the solution to the problem becomes uh, apparent. It's by developing some wisdom and understanding of the nature of the mind and the, the nature of the thoughts and the perceptions which occur from time to time in the mind. And to be able to, as it were, to straighten out those perceptions, to straighten out those thoughts so that uh, samadhi becomes easy. Uh, sure, one can uh, read in the suttas that the person who has uh, abandoned awija has no trouble at all of gaining uh, the deep states of samadhi. And I've mentioned here before that uh, the level of abandonment of awija can be measured by the ease in which one can enter samadhi states. Because awija the illusion or delusion is a major obstacle, the root cause of the lack of gaining samadhi. And obviously if that awija was absent, if there was no illusion or delusion in the mind, then uh, just uh, an effort of will would be enough to send the mind, as it were, scurrying into these peaceful states of mind. In fact, those peaceful states of samadhi will be the natural abiding of the mind and it would only, as it were, emerge if there was some external cause or reason to do so. But uh, if we haven't got that far yet, that we should know there are levels of uh, awija which we can notice and that once we notice these we find the obstacles to attaining samadhi are removed one by one. Uh, one of those uh, obstacles to samadhi is this fascination with the world of the five senses, with the external world. And one cannot talk enough about that fascination with karma loka, uh, because it's that fascination, that interest, that concern with the external world as represented by the five senses of eye, ear, nose, tongue and touch which takes up most of the space, most of the time in the mind. And it blocks us off 
from the abandoning that world and entering the samadhi states. And that fascination for that, uh, the world of the five senses, uh, has been uh, talked about throughout the suttas as something which needs to be abandoned. It's an attachment, it's kamupadana, one of the four upadanas or attachments. Well, actually, I shouldn't call it attachment. I was talking with uh, somebody a few days ago that that word upadana uh, is uh, more basically rendered by like taking up or, or uptaking you know, from the ardana, from like taking an upa close or near or upon uh, the object or upon the, the uh, subject who's doing the taking. And uh, you can see that whenever we uh, uptake this, the world of the five senses, whenever we take it up in our minds, then that is upadana. Sometimes that we talk about attachment and for some people that gives the impression that you can, as it were, play around with these things without being attached to it. You can actually take them up into your hand without them sticking to you, uh, which uh, is a mistake. And it's a very tragic mistake because when we don't abandon these things, when we think we can play with these things, we are at the very beginning of that playing, creating the upadana, we're taking it up. And indeed, that so once that upadana is abandoned, then there will be no taking up the world of the five senses. There will be no sort of uh, interest in them. That one will only uh, go into that world uh, with... Um, almost unwillingly, uh, with a lot of, uh, as it were, regrets, doing it for the sake of other beings, not for, for enjoyment or pleasure or delight or even interest. It's that abandoning of that world of the five senses which the Buddha talked about again and again in the, in the suttas. And this is something which we have to do and the abandonment of those five senses uh, occurs when we enter the world of the mind and go into a jhana. So we have this interest in this world of the five senses and we can look why do we have this interest? Why when we're meditating are we concerned with the body? Why are we concerned with the frogs or the crows which uh, uh, make their noises? Why do we concern with other people's noises? Why are we concerned with the uh, information for the five senses which occurred in the past, which we bring up as memory. Why are we concerned with what's going to happen tomorrow? With food, with kitchen, with building, with our plans to go somewhere after the rains retreat. This is all concern with the realm of the five senses. And why is it that it causes us to be, as it were, separated and blocked off from this beautiful world of samadhi? And the answer is, is because we have the illusion that we can control this world of the five senses. That we can somehow, through an effort of will, arrange it, manipulate it, so it can bring as much happiness and little suffering. And I was just reading this afternoon about what the Buddha said about the world of the five senses. He said it's much suffering and little happiness. And the danger is, is greater than the benefits of it. But it's because we think we can control this world, it's because we think it's the opposite of what the Buddha actually taught. We think that it's actually, uh, by manipulating, by arranging it, we can make it uh, much happiness or more happiness than little suffering. It's impossible. However, that's the error, that's the illusion which causes us to be interested, to be involved, to put a lot of time in this world of the five senses. When the Buddha was saying, this is futile, you're wasting your time. And bring up the story which uh, one of uh, a very good monk once told me, some of you will know his name because I've said the story before, but 
it's not appropriate to mention it. This monk was sitting meditation for two hours as they did every night during the rains retreats with a very uh, famous and uh, very good meditation teacher in Thailand. Uh, instead of watching his breath, he decided to uh, think about sexual fantasies. And thinking about sexual fantasies meant that his uh, concern for the aches and pains of the body disappeared. His mind was not restless, he did not have sloth and torpor. His mind was very energetic, and the two hours passed away like a flash. However, when the two hours were over, then he was a bit concerned because some of the monks who have practiced meditation can read your minds. And uh, this particular uh, monk he was staying with was a very accomplished meditator. And he was a, this monk was immediately afraid of what would the teacher say. The teacher came straight up to him and uh, being afraid what he would say, the teacher said, you've just been wasting your time. So not only was that a, uh, a reprimand, but it was a very wise and beautiful reprimand. He'd just been wasting his time, blocking off a possibility of gaining something far more refined, far more beautiful, far more beneficial, because of that interest which uh, that monk had at that time in that sensory world. He couldn't lay it down, he couldn't abandon it. He couldn't leave it, let it go. Now, if we think we can control this world of the five senses, we should just do a little bit of reflection and see how we've done so far in, in our lifetime so far. And how many years have you lived? And, you know, you're all adult beings now. And have you really managed to squeeze out sufficient happiness and contentment from this world of the five senses? Beautiful sights, nice sounds, tastes and touches, smells. If you really look at it, it cannot be done. No matter how you try, no matter how you wriggle and squirm, no matter how, you, you, how powerful you are, that this world of the five senses will always let you down. You cannot control, even in a monastery, the heat and the cold in the room you're staying in. You cannot control the aches and the pains in this body, the itches or the hay fever which comes up at this season. You cannot control like the smells which come out of your body. You cannot control the touches the feelings of uh, itches, aches, even pains. You can't control any of this. You can't control the sounds. And so after a while it should become evident to you that this is not yours to control. It's beyond your power to control. Let it go. Leave it alone. Abandon all interest, all desire, in this external world of the five senses. The crows and the frogs, they can go, they can go as long as they like. The aches and the pains in the body, they can just be there and burn the body up because you know that this is not your business to be concerned about such things. If you can start abandoning that world of the five senses, then when you sit down and start watching the breath, the body disappears, the sound disappears, the taste, smells, visions disappear. Because you're taking away the interest in these things. Because you're not trying to control these things. Just leave them alone. Take away all interest. Remember, you only hear these things if you think you can do something about it. That's why that sometimes uh, as soon as you hear a noise which is disturbing to you, straight away the thought comes up to try and do something about it, to control it, to tell that person to be quieter when they walk, to tell that uh, crow to go and eat somewhere else. Whatever it is, we always, when we're disturbed, have this reaction of control. 
and that's why the disturbance manifests in the mind and continues if we can let go of control in all its aspects you'll find the problem will just very often just disappear this is talking about like the softness of the mind which doesn't try to control as I said last week the passive mind not the active mind is a mind which will take you into deep samadhi a mind which knows but which does not react and do so look in one's own meditation practice to see if it is the concern the control over this world of the five senses over the body, over the uh, sounds which is the obstacle to one's meditation success and if it is just remember this is not your business even this monastery is not your business it's actually not my business either I'm only a temporary abbot in this place when I go and sit in meditation as I mentioned before I'm not the abbot anymore so I can let go of the monastery because this monastery is secondary the externals are secondary this monastery your robes, the food is supplied in order that you can be relieved of problems of the external five sensory world not to make more problems that's why it's a beautiful monastery because you don't have to do very much it looks after itself and at this time we can let it run down there's a beautiful story in the suttas of one monk, a young monk who used to uh, sweep the vihara all day because it was very windy in the morning he would get up and sweep the leaves and then go up to his uh, arms round and in the afternoon he would sweep the leaves again he finished late at night and I believe, I might be wrong here, it was Mahakachana or Mahakotita, I forget which one of them was staying in that vihara and he took that young monk aside and said it's alright to sweep maybe once in the morning just a little bit but you haven't become a monk to sweep the vihara you become a monk to develop the mind in samadhi and so when you develop the monk in samadhi then you'll be doing the Buddha's bidding and so that monk uh, who was a great sweeper decided to follow the instructions of the one of the senior disciples of the Buddha and in a very short time according to the story he became an arahat and the vihara was not that clean as it was before but the monk was clean and that was much more important we do our duties in this monastery we do our duties in our life to our requisites but we also must remember the duties towards our mind to develop the mind and to develop the mind in these peaceful and sublime states the letting go states, the free states so at this time, this is our retreat time it's especially the time which we should uh, abandon the concern for the external world so we can put more interest have the mind inclining inwards every time which I get into samadhi that you've noticed that the interest in the external world whether it's your kuti or whether it's your the monastery the people who come and visit here you get lessons and declines because you realize that the the beauty of the mind is so much more precious and this really deserves your effort and energy much more than building up a monastery building huts building up the faith even of lay people build up the, the purity of one's mind that should be one's first duty and it's a natural thing which occurs once the, the mind starts to get into samadhi it realizes what should be the focus of one's attention what deserve, what is pure, what is beautiful and what is going to lead to nibbana to cessation, to release there's also another uh, illusory aspect of the mind which needs to be brought up here 
and that is, I've already talked about the world of the five senses, now we talk about the thoughts concerned with that world of the five senses, what the Buddha called Karma Vitaka. And quite often in one's meditation the mind thinks, and it, the thinking can go to great extremes, sometimes you can think all, almost all day sometimes on a stupid um, theme, a theme which after you've got out of that obsession you wonder why did I waste so much time thinking about such things. But for many people that thinking is a great illusion, we take it too seriously, we take it to be truth. We think actually, some people even think they can know the truth just through thought. And the Buddha said that whatever you imagine it to be, it's always something else. You cannot trust this thinking mind. And if you always doubt and don't take the thinking or the thought seriously, if you don't put interest in them, that the thoughts can be very easily abandoned. The reason why that they enter the mind and are sustained in that mind and keep going on is because that you think these things are interesting and important or they're enjoyable. Now you should look at your experience of the times when you are thinking and the times when the mind is silent. At least I hope many of you, or most of you, or all of you, I've had those moments when the mind is silent, when thoughts have been completely absent from the mind. And the mind is peaceful, it experiences rather than has this inner chatter going on. And you should know through reflection that the mind which is silent is a more pure, more powerful, more beneficial mind than the thinking mind. You can go out thinking for the whole of your life and you'll never get anywhere. You stop that thinking and start to experience and, and develop the mind so the experience of reality is focused and one-pointed. And then you know that this is the way you know, to release, this is the way to wisdom, this is the way to Nibbāna. So it's up to you to doubt the thinking mind. Every time it comes up, don't listen to it. Look upon it as like a stupid prattler someone who just keeps on going on, going on, but does not know what they're talking about. Unless one is an arahat, just look upon the thinking as a speech of someone who does not know what they're talking about. So that way that by cutting off the interest in thought, again the thought just disappears. You can also notice that thought is very often the vehicle of control, coming from the illusion of a self inside. If we maintain the illusion of a self that we will think very often and that thought will be ways of protecting the, the idea of self, protecting one's happiness, protecting one's views, protecting that which one thinks one, one owns. And if one can get enough uh, wisdom or at least faith in the Buddhist teaching of non-self, of anatta, at least to, to believe, have confidence that indeed there is no one inside there and that you do not possess anything. There is no possessor nor possessions. Then one can let go of this, this wanting to control. You know, we want to control our destiny, we think about ways so we can get what we want. Physically, mentally, or whatever. Just give up that controlling of trying to figure out, work out schemes in the mind of, of how we can get what we want. Even give up that scheme about how we can get into jhanas. That sort of thinking, that try, sort of control is going to be an obstacle for you. But doubt the thinking, realize it's a complete waste of time in this situation. And notice that when one takes away the confidence one has in thought, when one takes away this tendency to want to uh, give orders, to scheme, to manipulate, 
inside, you're, you're taking away the very ground from which thought springs. As the mind shuts up, and you start to experience seeing things before thoughts, seeing what they are before this thought tries to, to describe them and mess them around and make something out of them which is not true. We don't know enough yet to really believe in thoughts. We haven't done the experiment yet. We need to sort of do more research into experience before we write our thesis and think we can sort of understand the Dhamma. Do more research yet. So put thought on the back burner and start to develop the silence of the mind. And it's through developing that silence of that mind and that uh, uh, turning away from the world of the five senses that we start to get close you know, to the, the released states of mind which we call jhana. There is uh, a beautiful word, which uh, one of my favorite words in Pali, which is nibbida. And nibbida means like revulsion. And a person who's actually seen the Dhamma gets revulsion towards the world of the five senses. You know, revulsion towards the, the thinking process. It's not as if you, know, you just let it go, you just see it coming and just, I don't want to bother that. As, uh, as, as uh, the same attitude you'd have to like a sickness or an illness or pain. If it can be avoided, you do so at any cost. That's if one truly understands you know, that world of the five senses, or thinking, for example. One gets nibbida towards it. And the more one has this nibbida, this revulsion towards that world, the easier it is to turn away from it. When we haven't got revulsion towards it, we have interest instead. Sometimes people say they have equanimity towards it, somewhere in between. But actually, if they look closer, they'll find that it's not equanimity, but actually attachment. You need the revulsion to push you away from where you've resided for many years, for many lifetimes, for many eons. I know that uh, when I first started uh, studying, not really studying, but just uh, reading a little bit here, a little bit there, not very much. I always thought that Nibbida was, could not mean revulsion. I remember one monk telling me that, no, that's not correct, that Nibbida is out and out revulsion. Sometimes in some monasteries in Sri Lanka, monks get so much Nibbida they can't even stay in their own huts. They get even revulsion from the physical hut. And I thought that's stupid, but actually that monk was quite accurate. The Nibbida forces you out of your hut. It forces you out of this uh, hut made of thoughts. This hut of the five senses where you've been dwelling for so long. You have to be forced out. You just have equanimity. You tend staying in there. And so eventually develop the Nibbida towards these thoughts, towards the world of the five senses. It's a great lot of dukkha and small happiness. The danger is great in this world of five senses. So know that and don't forget about trying to make something happiness, some happiness out of this world. The Buddha said it's impossible, it's much dukkha, little happiness. So once we have the Nibbida through realizing this or having faith in the Buddha's teachings then we'll just turn away in the world of the five senses. You will not be concerned about this world. You will not be concerned about the thinking. And the mind will start to go silent. And once you have the ability just to, to stop the thinking and to have this disinterest in the world of the five senses, then you will find it's very easy just to start watching the breath. Because the mind is inclining towards the peace of the mind. These are things which have arisen through wisdom. 
to understanding that there was uh, an act of delusion going on there. You were deluded into thinking this world of the five senses is worth something. You were deluded into thinking that thought was worth something. When you understand this is like fool's gold, you throw it away. And when you throw away these things, you're, you've got most of the distance towards jhanas. You find that meditation is really easy. What you've actually given up is the first hindrance of karma chanda. And you've given up a lot of the other hindrances at the same time. You've given up doubt and much of restlessness, the restlessness which manifests as thought, or remorse. Many of us know one monk who thinks so much about the Vinaya rules, he's got a lot of remorse when he shouldn't really have it at all, it's just because of too much thinking. He believes in those thoughts and takes them seriously. As anyone looking at them from outside realizes that that's ridiculous. So once we can abandon these things, then we're getting closer to the uh, samadhi states. And as I said before, I'll say many times, the samadhi states are states of letting go. They're a result of detachment, born of wisdom, seeing an obstacle, something which one has been holding on, playing around with, noticing it's not conducive to any benefit and dropping it. And the result of dropping it is peace. Every time you get an insight in your meditation, if it's a true insight, it will result immediately in the mind dropping to a greater level of peace and clarity. Because the insights I'm talking about here are the insights which see a Dhamma and remove an obstacle. And as one gets closer into the Samadhi states, there are much more refined uh, delusions start to occur. And uh, the delusion which starts to occur in these states can be the uh, intense uh, piti sukha which starts to arise once the mind starts to get peaceful and calm. Uh, you should know that anything which is intense cannot uh, give rise to peaceful states of mind. And you have to be careful with, you know, sometimes the great waves of uh, piti sukha which can arise when the mind starts to get peaceful. You have to just uh, leave them alone, wait for them to subside. Because the samadhi states are refined states. They say, in, I think it's a, is it Potapada's sutta, I forget now, these are sukama, refined piti sukha. And it's a piti sukha of peace, of quietness, of silence. And one of the great illusions is that peace is boring, or that peace is uninteresting. For many people in the world, we think that happiness is excitement, is the senses being stimulated, not the senses being um, tranquilized. But for those who develop enough wisdom, or at least have faith in the Buddha's teachings, you should be able to recognize as you gain these uh, deeper states of meditation, that the true happiness is in the peace of the mind. The mind which has been separated from the disturbance of the five senses, the disturbance of thought, and the disturbance of this controlling mechanism which we call uh, vitaka, which are Vitaka Vichara in its coarsest form manifests as speech and even at those deeper stages of the meditation you might still find yourself giving orders towards the uh, object of meditation. If it is still the breath you find yourself saying things, giving orders, giving instructions sometimes asking questions what to do next or so on. 
you have to know that you're directing the mind you direct it and then leave it alone it is that illusion again that you are in control of this process which will be the obstacle to deeper to the full entering into a jhana there is no one in there to control this process this process is a natural phenomena a result of letting go a result of abandoning temporarily the awija the illusion of a sense of self the illusion that thoughts are meaningful the illusion that the world of the five senses can be a source of happiness abandon those illusions and then the result will be the mind entering into a samadhi state because the obstacles have been removed so be careful when the mind starts to get quiet and peaceful be careful of this ordering of the mind just watch the mind but don't order anything don't give any commands and again in order to give up that commanding inside you have to know it through mindfulness and you have to remember that all of that ordering is not meaningful you, there's no one in there to control you might call it just a work of Mara trying to stop you gaining this last piece of uh, uh, this last step into a jhana if you have that control coming up in the mind manifesting as thoughts you may just say one thing just Mara I know you the controller and just let it go usually when Mara is recognized he just disappears he goes away the monk knows me the monk knows me if you can know this these last little pieces of thinking which occur at this stage just let go that's Mara just by knowing that you'll disappear you'll find you're just observing or just observation is taking place so the mind is getting more and more peaceful as you let go of control as the mind just sees what true happiness is I've been pointing this out many times every time I teach about samadhi that one does need to sharpen up perception to know the perception of what is truly peaceful and happy there should be enough that it's been suggested to you so that because of that suggestion the mind will eventually look when these uh, fine states of mind occur it will look for the peace of mind the stillness of mind and we'll be able to recognize that as a very happy state the state of piti sukha because once that recognition occurs that this is the piti sukha first jhana what is watching once that piti sukha manifests the attention will just by itself go towards that you don't need to force it in fact if you do say anything the nimitta will disappear this is a natural process a process of letting go again once we realize this once we have the, the, the wisdom then it becomes easy to attain these states I just was uh, looking at a sutta uh, uh, just before I came in here just was flicking through my book of uh, little sutta quotes and there is one sutta where it says that if you haven't got samaditi the right view that you can't get samasamadhi of uh, you know, the, the right samadhi the jhanas you do need to be able to just to at least have that view of non-self even if you just take it on board temporarily and to understand that view of non-self to completely abandon this thing inside which does, which controls, which manipulates, arranges which creates the interest in the world, which creates the 
interest in thought which creates the interest in giving orders just abandon that just temporarily just try it if you abandon the idea the sense of self there will be no fear there will be no excitement there will be no sense of controlling You've been ab- you would have abandoned the house builder they say the house builder is craving but this is a source of the house builder the heart of the house builder and so you don't build houses you live in the empty abiding of a mind which is free once one has gained these uh, states of uh, samadhi then it will help in the future lessen the awija lessen the um, illusion that the world of the five senses is pleasurable again I was just uh, reading the the Chula Dukkha Kanda Sutta that passage there where Mahanama the Sakyan goes to the Buddha and uh, apparently he's an Arya the commentary says that uh, he was a Sakadagami a a once returner and saying that there's still like states of greed, hatred and delusion sometimes obsess his mind he didn't know why and the Buddha said because you haven't abandoned one thing then he goes on to to explain it it's a very beautiful passage where he says something like you may know these things you may know that the the world of the five senses is much pain and little happiness but still you can't abandon that world but once a monk a practitioner knows that the world of the five senses is much suffering and little happiness and can gain those liberations of the mind that happiness which is beyond the world of the five senses which is uh, beyond unwholesome states referring unambiguously to jhanas or something beyond jhanas only then will you abandon the concern for the realm of the five senses so you have to do it out of faith first of all out of confidence in what the Buddha said and once you've actually gone to those places and known them for your own experience then the abandoning of the realm of, the fi- of concern for the realm of the five senses will be more firm and eventually permanent as an anagami a non-returner so look for the wisdom aspect of the path into samadhi states don't just use willpower don't just uh, use uh, energy don't just use like the application of the mind use the fourth idipada as well develop the wisdom keep wisdom in mind these obstacles which occur now and again why? what's the root cause of them? what's the delusion which you're buying into which causes these things to occur? if there's no delusion then the mind will go to peace by itself that's its nature if there's some delusion there, there's a blockage from samadhi find out what that delusion is and look in the realm of the Kamupadana or Atavupadana taking up of a self the self idea or taking up the world of the five senses abandon them, it's for your benefit now and in the future and for the benefit of all other beings that's my short talk this evening on some aspects of uh, wisdom enabling one to gain access into these states of samadhi has anyone got any questions or comments they'd like to bring up on this evening's Dhamma talk
That's good, you've dropped thoughts. <laughs> Sometimes thought is like that. It starts off in a direction and it just like peters out or meanders. You cannot continue that thought to its end. Or if you do try and continue it to its end, you find there is no end. It just keeps on going. But it's much better to know that before you waste so much time. asking you know, if thought is coming up in the mind, is it just a matter of patience? Uh, usually patience is not sufficient to stop the thinking mind, simply because it will just be going on and on and on and on, and it will, it will wear out your patience after a while. Uh, very often that it's because we don't see what's generating these thoughts. It's like a, a television or something, you've got to, to stop it, you've got to pull the plug out. Yeah. take its source of energy away from it. And that source of energy of the thinking mind is is that the belief in it. And you can you can know that every thought which you have is only an approximation to reality at best. And it cannot reach the truth. It's by its very nature unable to get close to reality. It's built up, it's a sankhara. It's built up out of like past thoughts, the words of others, inaccuracies, uh, approximations, speculations. Now the world is full of thoughts and very few of them have any real meaning, especially in terms of the Dhamma. So if you look at where did this thought come from, why did I think this way, not another way? You can see all the books you've read, all the teachers you've heard, all the discussions you've had. If you'd read other books, you'd have different thoughts. You'd have other teachers, you'd have different thoughts. So which thoughts are the true ones, or which are the false ones? They're all conditioned, caused. And once you can see the causes of the thoughts you have now, if it's thoughts about the opposite sex, it's all the movies you've seen, all the conversations you've had you know, as a young young man. That's why ties are afraid of ghosts. It's all the movies they've seen cause those thoughts. And you start to see the, uh, the lack of truth in them, then you don't take them seriously. You just drop them. asking just uh, to get the depth in samadhi, should you, you know, continue to use thoughts or should you just uh, drop them? It's, uh, perhaps it's, uh, it's a good advice is to drop all the thoughts which have nothing to do with the practice of meditation first of all. Drop those things first of all. Drop the thoughts about you know, the, uh, the rain sort of falling on the roof or how cold it is or what's for dinner today those sorts of thoughts you can drop straight away. And then like, thoughts about, later on, thoughts about the meditation, or what you're supposed to be doing. You know what you're doing instead of thinking about it. The two are completely different. And the experiment, in other words, is to leave the mind alone and watch, rather than always getting involved with thinking.
So that, so that's what this little bit of Yes. But when the mind becomes silent, it tends to enter the heart. Uh, if it's really silent, then it doesn't know where it's really entering because the, the entering is like, like a, a conception, just born of a perception. It's just the mind, the way it perceives, it can perceive anything. And sometimes it's because you've been told that that's what happens. And that's how you perceive it to be. Sometimes if you've been told it enters a big toe and you believe it, actually it enters a big toe. So a lot of this, again, you can see that perception and thought sort of cannot be relied upon, can be used but not relied upon. Uh, mind can be very powerful and can create all sorts of special effects. But the, the best effect is that uh, unification of the mind in samadhi, and uh, there you don't get any shocks, you get a great sense of peace and stillness a great sense of what it means to let go. So and that's what is uh, more important. There's, very other, there's lots of other little things which can happen on the way, little interesting uh, phenomena, but they should not be taken uh, too important. Okay, is there any other questions or comments? Okay, we can finish off for this evening then. <coughs>